Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. I'm so glad you've joined us. So today is the second half of our interview with Jocelyn, and we're about to hear more about upgrading mobility devices and finding her way to HSCT. Thanks for tuning in. So as soon as Kieran mentioned something, daring to mention the word wheels, I felt just so much better that he didn't see this as a bad thing and all the things I had been imagining. I should hold off using anything to help me. And then I just thought, wow, I'm going to get a wheelchair. And I, I got, I managed to get kind of excited, strangely, about some of the manual wheelchairs I saw on some of the websites. I was like, oh, they actually look quite cool. <laughs> they look a bit Paralympian, you know, sure. I don't know. So I ended up, I bought one of them because I just thought I need to buy the one that's going to look least like an NHS wheelchair if I can help it. And it's going to make me kind of feel okay about owning it. And the next thing I did was get on as many disability positive Instagram accounts as I could to try and reprogram my attitude, Mm. my ingrained attitude I'd grown up with about what disability meant. And just like I needed to find some people who I, I really liked, who were really proud of their wheelchairs and were doing amazing things. So I found a number of really helpful accounts there and just because I had Instagram detected that I was starting to look for more disability stuff they suggested different kind of accounts and for the first time I saw one that said MS it said MS tripping on air I was like no I don't usually look at MS stuff but hey I'll have a look and she seemed really cool I liked her she's called um Ardress Shepherd and she has a really good blog and mm. it's just really she does yes cool and ballsy and just you know it very much owns herself and isn't afraid to say how much MS totally sucks and how, you know, anyway. But she uses a rollator and she does look quite, she rocks it quite well. But in that, she, she was doing an event um, and doing like a Q&A thing, which I didn't take part in. But I noticed on Instagram, someone went, oh, I hope you mentioned the HSCT Warriors podcast. I was like, what is this? Now? Oh. <laughs> um, and found the HSCC Warriors podcast about you know a year ago and and then just like immersed myself in it. And oh I have wow. If this is it did everything that I've heard you say in the past that you wanted it to do. It's I mean, I was completely on board with HSCC and yes I wanted it, but I'd fallen down the rut of thinking, well, I'm just gonna have to do the NHS thing because if it is a bit of a possibility that if you will grow up in the UK and you're not really exposed to particularly many other different viewpoints. You kind of think our oh, NHS is best. And then, of course, it's free, if you like, um, through taxation. It's, it's The NHS is free. Sure. So why wouldn't you think that's the best way to go? But then I started listening to this podcast, and it was incredible. Oh, my goodness. It taught me so much. And one of the main things it introduced me to was the idea. I didn't even know I had any bias towards the idea of treatments taking place in Mexico and Russia. I didn't I wasn't even aware of it, particularly, apart from the fact that I thought, no, why I wouldn't go to Mexico because I'll just wait for the NHS. And then I heard somebody on your a guest on your podcast talking about when they went to Mexico and what an amazing experience it was and how he had really had to address his own bias about going to Mexico like it's a bad thing to do and and it would be bad treatment or even dangerous and then I heard how enthusiastic he was about it I was like okay maybe I could look at this then and then someone else spoke about Russia and I was so into it and more to the point someone else mentioned about the Facebook groups I was like why didn't I even think of that already and so I found the HSCC 
Russia and the Mexico and the in the HSCC UK and the, all of them. It's noteworthy to say that on the internet you can find information how an exclusion criteria, inclusion criteria is that you have activity lesion activity on an MRI scan despite having a DMT. The other one is the exclusion criteria is that diagnosis for longer than 15 years. And I've been diagnosed for like 18 at that point. And I put that on the um, one of the HSCT pages and someone, I think from the UK, said to me, oh, just apply. Apply to Russia now. We'll just do it. What's the harm? Do it. I was like... All right, then. I really haven't thought of that. I kind of thought, oh, I'll wait to see if I can have it on the NHS. And if I can't, then I'll apply to Russia. Sure. Because someone else said, just apply now. My goodness, that was such great advice. And I would encourage anyone in the UK who is kind of waiting to find out. I mean, firstly, I would say, think twice about waiting, to be honest, to see if you can get it or not, because the criteria is very, very strict for the NHS. Not impossible, but very strict. The fact that I applied for Mexico and Russia like nine months in advance of me having that MRI scan and finding out that I didn't have lesion activity, um, it was so it was such a relief. It was such a stress reliever to go, okay, I'm going into my neurologist's appointment. I know I really, really, really want to have failed Oculus right now, but I know I'm accepted into Russia to go in March and this was like in October I thought I'm, I can go in March and it released so much stress and when my doctor said oh there's it she said it in a good way she was like oh it's good the octopus is working and there's no lesion activity I was like oh okay and she said so you know we'll book you in for next March and I said oh no no I'm I'm don't book me in for that because I'm going to be having HSCC in March in Russia mm. and because she's such a great neurologist she was just like I wish you all the best. She's oh. so happy that I was having it. And I really think that she's the kind of neurologist who would refer everybody to HSCT if she could. But because she's constrained by NHS criteria, which affects the doctors as much as it affects the patients, she couldn't do it. And she's so positive. So she was really happy that I was going. Well, until sort of last week, um, I was going to be leaving for Russia on the 1st of March. Um, and the Russian borders are closed to the UK because oh. of COVID. So I'm just waiting. Um, I am so excited to go to Russia. I think Russia, because I chose Russia over Mexico, even though I have them both. Yeah, I was going to um, ask why Russia and not Mexico? There's two reasons why. Um one of the real main things is that Mexico is a 16 and a half hour flight and Russia is four hours. I was really shocked at how close Russia is. Yeah. So it's just just a four hour flight and I was much more into that. I'm also more of a cold weather person than a hot weather person. So I was kind of thinking, well, kind of Russia appeals to me. But also I started doing some... Um, work with Anna Crumb, who I know is one of your previous interviews. Yes. Um, the functional dietitian. And I decided very early on that I only wanted to see Anna because she has MS and has had HSCT and had HSCT in Russia and she just seems amazing. And I I don't know, it just rushed seemed to click into place. I sent Mexico a really, really nice email when I cancelled, just saying, look, this is literally just to do with the distance thing. And Mexico looks amazing. And I wouldn't hesitate to say that Russia is better. It's just better for me. Well, especially on, I don't the, know, I don't, on the return flight home, that makes a lot of sense to only have four hours of travel. That's where I was for sure coming from I thought you know I'm not I don't shy away from long haul flights I don't I don't mind them so much but I just didn't not knowing what I don't know um I thought I don't know how I'm gonna feel I get I get an inkling of how I might feel because of everybody else's experiences but I don't know and I would rather and given that everyone's gonna have to be masked up and everything I probably not want to spend 16 hours on a flight and with a changeover by the way as well it's not direct right <laughs> like nah I don't I don't really want to do that so um Mexico uh, Mexico Russia is a direct four-hour flight which mm. I'm absolutely amazed yeah that it's so close but yeah so that's really what decided me I'm now managing quite uh quite a space now of 
leaving this whole situation alone. I think, as you have heard her name many times before, um, Anastasia Panchenko, the patient administrator at the Moscow Hospital. Oh, God, I love her already. I've only had like a number of emails with her, and I'm just like, oh, my God, you're brilliant. And this is what she does day in, day out. She wants to get me there as much as I want to get there. Um, she's doing her best. She, I only found out on Wednesday that the travel ban had been extended because it might have reopened on the 16th of February, but oh. it's been extended until the 16th of March, which is a, a shame. But I thought I'm not going to, I'm going to really resist what I really desperately want to do is to immediately send Anastasia an email. Like, oh, hi, uh, can you give me an update? You know, just anything. Sure. Um, but I thought, no, I'm, I, Anastasia knows what's going on. I'm, I'm just not going to hold her up or waste her time. So it's, just, it's a shame, but I know it's happening. I am semi-packed because I'm kind of treating it a bit like, I don't know how somebody who's pregnant might treat having just a, a bag ready. Oh, many right. Years ago, just like, quick, leave. So I'm kind of um, trying to see the some positives in the fact that the way things are right now in the UK and the just, I don't know, I'm, try, I'm trying to find some positives. And I am being successful in finding a, a few positives about this delay. The diagnosis seems to be stable. You know, oh, it's, good. it's, I mean, the Ocrevus will have washed out of my body completely by next month. Um, but like I said, I don't really, I don't really think medication is going to save me anyway. So I'm not really worried about that. Sure. Um, and I know I'll get there as soon as I can. Um, I've got the money um, and I did the fundraising, which was a whole different story in itself. I will not give you the whole story there, but it was incredible, crazy experience fundraising. And um, it's more than possible. It's possible to get there. It's, it's amazing. So I've got the money, thanks to everybody else, people who I know and don't know, um, for that amazing kind of life-changing kind of experience. So, um, and now I am so just humbling. waiting to go. Yeah, really humbling, like really, really humbling. And my work are amazing. I can literally just pitch up and just go whenever. That doesn't affect anything. I'm like, yeah, go when you can go. Amazing. Um, so that's not anything. Yeah, really amazing. And it's not something I need to stress about there. So I'm just doing my best to um, choose as best as I can to not stress because I don't, unfortunately, I don't have control over the uh, Russian government <laughs> and right. they're not letting the UK in and so what can I do it's, it's Anastasia's going to sort it out for me she knows better than I do and I can't change the government's mind I just have to fingers crossed they look at the UK uh, in like a month or so's time and just go yeah all right and you can come back <laughs> uh, yeah and bide your time and stay healthy yeah, that's the job, really. But one thing I have allowed myself to do, though, is um, I booked the 1st of March off work because even though I'm not having massive meltdowns about it and getting really upset, I did think, you know, the day that I was going to fly away to Russia, I kind of just don't, I just don't want to work. I just want to do you know, what I want to do, even if that's nothing. I feel like I just want to hold that day just for me to honor the fact that it was going to be something a start of something which I thought would be on that date you know what I mean sure <laughs> it's postponed myself... just a little bit yeah exactly so yeah thank you um for your podcast Jen because I really did immerse myself in it a lot because it was totally my journey and I have felt very very benefited from all the information oh I'm so there. glad to hear that yeah, really. So why was it important for you to participate and share your story with us? Well, for exactly the reason I've just said, I, I think that finding the podcast was a, a real turning point for me. I mean, it's not that I wasn't definitely wishing to do it. And it's not that I have any doubts about it at all. But it just turbocharged. Listening to everybody else's experiences, one after the other after the other, fairly constantly, like every day during my exercise time, it just, it, I think if I, I think if I had heard this podcast, for example, or had the information five or six years ago that I have today, 
I wouldn't have even bothered waiting for the NHS. Like, definitely not. I would have seen the value in these amazing international places and just gone, why? Why am I waiting? Mm. I can have an amazing thing I saw on the BBC. I don't want to wait. Um, So I, I just think that it was very important for me to take part because it's given so much to me. I don't know if there's even any tiny part of what I've said today which might help anyone else. But there might be one thing, or there might, I just think it was, um, I definitely got really useful, useful information, quite illuminating stuff from other people who have been on this podcast. I think it's wonderful. So I'm just really happy I can take part too. I definitely think you shared some very helpful information and tips. I hope so. It feels so individual in a way, but actually it's so many parts of the whole MS journey are not as individual as one might think. I think that some of the other things that other people have said, um, you know, it's been really helpful things that I can sort of pursue. And yeah, I've really, I've, I've really benefited from that. Well, and as you pointed out, there's some commonality in our individual experiences. So even though we're so unique, Sometimes there is that overlap. You put that in so much, there's so much better language than I just tried to. Well, it's <laughs> nice to find, yeah, it's, it's nice to find that connection, even just some similarity and know that you're not alone on this journey. Yeah, I know. And yeah, I, I, it's, you know, I don't, I think I've heard you mention maybe in other, in other parts of the podcast, speaking to other people as well, that you don't really not into like support groups and that whole, in the initial stages, it is something that often gets offered and it's quite, it's quite nice that it does get offered in a way like, hey, well, you know, there's this support and in the UK we have a something called the Expert Patients Programme. And I think a lot of people find that really helpful, um, but it's something that I've already always backed away from at full speed. Like, I don't want to hang out and talk about MS, but this, <laughs> But I don't, I'm not saying they are bad support groups, but what I found since I started looking at HSCT, it has brought me into the sphere and contact and using our resources like this podcast and through that finding other maybe Facebook groups and things more than I have ever done since I've been diagnosed. And because it's definitely about something which I feel so hopeful for and really, really believing, it's it's very uplifting. Well, it's possibility, right? It's all about that possibility that the stem cell transplant could halt the progression of this terrifying disease that can be so uncertain. Absolutely. And I have when I've explained it, because obviously I did a huge fundraising campaign, sure. I laid myself open like a, like a book, which is from someone that has lied and hid their MS diagnosis right. for a very, very long time. And then go, okay then. Right, I had to get my friend to help me write it because I just couldn't do it. Yes. And so I just laid it all out and it was, it was very exposing. But that's what you need to do if you're seeking support from other people and boy did it work yeah it really did and it's been an interesting experience but when people have asked me because they know about it now but they know about my diagnosis and everything they're like oh so you know what does it do and what's it and you kind of try and explain well you know it's basically its aim is to hold progression and they I can see how Jonkly, I walk. Um, I walk with small, short distances with two hiking poles mm-hmm. to walk my dog. Um, I use a rough terrain rollator outside, never anywhere else apart from walking my dog a little bit. And then when I'm anywhere else out, shall we say, in the community anywhere, I use my wheelchair because I would rather use a wheelchair and look like the poster child for disability than for anyone to see me walk. I look way more disabled when I walk, sure. ironically, than I do when I'm using a wheelchair. Boy, people would be worried about me. So um, I, I, they know how I move, my friends and people that know me. And I said, look, don't. I might come back, I might be look exactly the same, but this, what we hope is that it will hold progression. But Jen, I would be lying if I didn't have part of me inside going, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if just this one little thing got better? And I, that thing is my balance, by the way. I said, oh, God, I would just... And I, and I think it's okay 
to have those thoughts and just to know that they're there. Absolutely. But not over-identify with them. You know, I think I also told myself to make it better for myself again. It's like, hey, okay, I, I find I have a really good life. And at the same time, um, my disability makes my life uh, difficult in the way disability does on a daily basis, a daily basis. And and so I was thinking, okay, I'm really hanging on to HSCT and it would be such a gift if I was one of those lucky people that improved a bit. Um, But if I don't, then I absolutely promise myself that I can put myself on the list for an assistance dog. (laughs) I'd like, if I don't get any rollback of my symptoms, I can have a lovely assistance dog. I mean, I have my, bless me, I have a lovely dog now, my beautiful, lovely 15-year-old Labrador. Um, And at the same time, uh, thinking about another dog I might have in the future kind of needs to be a dog that helps me. (laughs) So I've sort of, I've softened it for myself. I've allowed myself to hope for improvements because I think everybody sort of does. But I've also tried to make it okay for myself to not have any mobility improvements, but to buy myself a real um, badass pair of wheelchair wheels, mm. which give you an extra electronic push. It still looks like you're pushing it yourself, but it gives you the extra oomph of like an electric bike does. They look pretty cool. Um, I thought I'll buy myself a pair of those wheels and I will put myself on a list for hopefully um, an assistance dog. <laughs> and... I'm only, I'm just playing, I'm just experimenting with my own many feelings I have around HSCT. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Well, I don't, my sister asked me the other day, um, she went, oh, so you, you know, you worried about the treatment. I was like, what? Oh God, I'm not even thinking one thing about being worried about the treatment, even though it's a normal thing for maybe someone to worry about. The treatment doesn't worry me at all. All I care about is getting them. All I care about is getting to Russia. That's just taken up a lot of my, all of my year, basically. And now I'm right on the brink and and I can't do anything about it. Right. So I'm trying to make myself manage that. <laughs> manage that kind of unique situation. Sure. But the idea of being worried about the treatment, I'm not really that worried about are worried about it again because of the all of the experiences I've managed to hear about it mm. on the podcast. Oh. I don't think I've heard about people's experiences. No, it has been. It's been great. I and there's been so many of them and so many seasons that I hadn't heard. So I just got to. It it's made me. I wasn't frightened in the first place, but it made me less. Now this isn't going to make sense. Maybe it made me less frightened than I might have been. Had I had any worries, does mm. that make yeah, sense? It, yeah, reduced it's, some anxiety. Yeah, and, and it's more about the practicality. And for a while, it was like issues around the weird feeling inside you have when you're raising money. But it, hey, everyone, if I can do it, anyone can, really. Um, and I raised all of this money over the months where, one, it was Christmas and New Year, very, not very good times to be trying to raise money. And it was COVID. I couldn't be anywhere in person. Right. There were lockdowns all the time. And I still made all of this money. I was raising £42,000. And I got to like the last 15, not 1500 15000 <laughs> Um and thought, okay, I now need to start getting this in front of people who don't know me. And of course, I was getting donations from people who had already donated and then shared the link, which was incredible. But I needed to talk to the papers. And so I did something very, it felt so unusual and so weird. And I think it would feel might feel weird to anyone who tries to do it, if you haven't done it before, doing something like getting in the local paper. I did, a, I did a, an interview at BBC Sussex, which was okay because that's where I had previously worked. So it was a little bit less scary, but I was still an interviewee and that felt a bit nerve-wracking. I got an interview there. And then one of my journalist friends, she's like a professional communications person. And so she told me all of the people to send emails to at the local papers around where I live. She had one connection at a national newspaper called the iNews. Um, in the UK and I got interviewed by their health correspondent Amazing. and I it was just before Christmas I was like oh yeah that's that was you know 
that will come in. He said, oh, I'll let you know when it goes out. And I thought, oh, okay, fine. Well, it's going to be in the paper. It's going to be online. I was like, wow. It's a tiny little thing, I thought. And I didn't hear anything until like the first week of January. And even then, I didn't hear anything. I just checked my GoFundMe. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Suddenly, there were just loads and loads and loads and loads of donations. And I didn't know where they were coming from. And then a couple of people left notes going, oh, I read this. I read your story in the R News. I was like, oh, wow, it's in the paper. And it, it really snowballed. And that's when I raised the rest of my money. It's like someone gave me £5,000. Oh, wow. Incredible. Someone who, someone who didn't know me, and he sent me a lovely note saying, oh, my wife had, um, she had cancer and she had this treatment in September. And it's really been life-saving and life-changing for her. And we hope it will be for you too. Oh, they wow. gave me all of that money. It's amazing. Tell the papers. <laughs> Tell the papers. Because you just need people who don't know you. And it's, you don't want to double dip in your friendship groups sure. and people, you know, even though you can, it's not a balance to do that. And lots of my friends did donate twice. So it's such a strange feeling asking for money anyway. I would really like to reassure anyone who's listening who goes, ooh, fundraising, I don't like asking for money. I am the most private person about my diagnosis. I didn't want anyone to know. Even though I'm right. physically disabled, I never... I never talked about it. In my new job, I just allowed everyone to think I'd had a car accident. I was like, I don't, I know one asked me. Mm. I was like, cool, let's just go with that. <laughs> um, but it just worked and it was a really amazing experience and deeply humbling and I'm filled with gratitude and I cannot wait to send the next update I send will be saying I am in Russia. I'm not even sending it when I get the flights because I that last time and now they've been cancelled <laughs> so I'm going to send an update when I'm in Russia and when I'm in Russia then I'm going to say look I'm not going to spam you all with updates this is my blog address and then I'm going to have a blog from then on and just anyone who's interested can check and have a little look um but that's sort of how I feel I'm going to do it I think it's a great plan. People like to, I think, follow along and see how you're doing. It's a great investment even for you to kind of reflect on how you're doing. Oh, definitely. It will be it will be an amazing little time capsule for myself. I mean, Absolutely. I'm still thrilled that I get to go into Russia. How amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know when or if I ever would have gone to Russia, but now I know I am going. I'm so excited. Even though I'm not going to be leaving the hospital grounds, I don't care. Right. <laughs> I'm going to Russia. Um, it's going to be great. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the treatment. I'm looking forward to somebody shaving off all my hair. Right. If I could get to have short hair again, wow. <laughs> I've allowed my hair to grow way too long. I can't wait for my buzz cut. And then I'll lose my hair and then I'll be able to, you know, these are all things I'm, I'm getting, I'm probably, if I'm honest, I'm probably wildly distracting myself from the fact that I can't go right now and that I'm being thwarted. Sure. Slightly. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's all good. Well, that's a great attitude to have as you patiently practice patience. Yeah. So what about what about a superpower that you've gained in your experience so far pursuing HSCT? Well, it makes me laugh because I've always for so many years said, oh, getting up early is my superpower. Because <laughs> it is. I can get up really early in the morning and really beat the crowds. And I've always said it's my superpower. So now what is now what is my actual superpower from HSCT? I mean, I think that... Um, I mean, it feels so current. It really does feel like I have been marshalling all of my powers because I'm really, really working very hard to not behave in a way which I typically would really want to, which is chasing, chasing down. I've got to get to HSC. I've got to get to Russia, chasing it down, trying to find out what's going on, what's happening. Sure. Um, I even called up the Russian embassy before I went going, is there anything else I can do? And right. I'm like, oh, no. No, I thought they probably thought it was really cute. This English person ringing up, going, <laughs> "Can I do anything about about the Russian not letting me in?" It's like, no, it's nice to chat though, you know. And so I think being really hands off, there is a degree of patience, I guess. But actually, I had I've been reading a very good book um, 
called Radical Acceptance <laughs> by Tara Brock. And there was one story in there she says about US pilots, I think, long, long time ago, in wartime, I guess, who were flying at a, the highest altitude that they had ever flown those planes ever. And they found that when they got up so high and the atmosphere became much thinner, they found that their controls didn't work as expected and their controls just pinwheeled and the, the, the planes just tumbled out the sky. And the more they battled with their controls, the more they, they just went out of control and they would crash to the ground. So many of them died this happening. And one pilot during this frightening experience blacked out and wasn't obviously wasn't touching the controls mm. and the plane just plummeted down until it was into the more should we call it thicker atmosphere mm -hmm. down when he came back to again probably because the atmosphere had changed and then was able to get the controls and safely land the plane and she was using it as a, a, a meditation kind of example I think about sometimes the best thing to do is you just do nothing and she went he only did nothing because he passed out right so you know it was just it, it was he he would have desperately been trying to create it, correct it as well because that's what you would want to do and so i don't know if my suit, new superpower has become doing nothing like almost i'm trying to make it better for myself by trying to think oh that's really taoist just like mm, we just become like water <laughs> and move around the rocks and not through them, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of... I'm not being very concise about what my superpower is, am I? I think in a way, maybe my superpower is not doing anything. It's doing nothing. Right. It's really hard, very hard, um, because believe me, I've done a lot. I have worked and worked and worked and worked to make this happen. But right now, at the last crucial stage, I, I, I can do nothing. I mean... Patience is a big superpower. Um, gratitude is a big superpower. All of the, I mean, there's so many hit points during my HSCT sort of journey. Um, perseverance is a superpower because as soon as I learned about HSCT, I was asking my neurologist about it and I was finally chipping away. So there's many different stages at which I've had a superpower, but mm. right now what actually genuinely feels like one is now because I'm desperate to get there, Jen. Oh, sure. I'm desperate. Um, and, and I just have to behave right. and allow the things. I think it helps that I have a huge amount of trust in the hospital. I have a huge amount of trust in Anastasia, who I'm sure is working, working, working to get all the people who can't get there, there. I trust in Dr. Fedorenko for when I get there. I feel it helps. I think that helps me do nothing. If I was a bit worried about what I was going to, I think I would find it much, much harder. Mm. But right now it feels, doesn't feel, doesn't sound like a great superpower, does it? Wow, no, but it does because here, she does nothing. <laughs> but honestly, I think it's really important training for when you are inpatient and you are in isolation and you are yeah. suddenly finding yourself hooked up to the chemo that runs for a good part yeah. of the day and you have to give up control and literally let the team and let the doctors and let the nurses care for you. Yeah. That's going to be amazing. I mean, I have lots of, it'll be fun to check in another point after I have the HSC Absolutely. to find out if any of this is true. I'll be so fun to get back and be like, Oh, Jen, I just ate snacks. And watched <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be like. Um, and that's okay. I, I don't know what, yeah, definitely going to be okay, whatever I need to do. But I do hope, I do hope I'm present through it. That's the one thing I want to try and remember to be is um, one really good piece of advice my sister gave me before I got married. She went, just remember to, at many points during the day, just stop and listen to the sounds of your friends enjoying themselves. And she said, just, otherwise it will just fly past you in a moment. And I remember on my wedding day, that's what I did. I was kind of trying to really pay attention to what was going on. And I think that's what I'm going to try and remember when I'm in Russia. I mean, maybe I'm not going to meditate for, you know, <laughs> eight hours a day, but 
I I just want to know I'm there. This sounds a bit silly saying it like that, but I want to know I'm there. But I want to experience everything as mindfully as I possibly can mm. because it's a real moment in my life and it's it's something that hopefully I will only ever have to do once. Um, and it's really special. And I'm really lucky and privileged to be able to do it. So I want to treat it like that for sure. I think you have a phenomenal mindset going into all of this. You're so kind. (laughs) But it's also, again, I would like to give it back to you as well. It's really incredibly helpful to support myself to have a really good mindset towards it. I would, I'm sure I would adventure my way out there to rush on my own anyway, even if I had never heard the HSCT Warriors podcast. But I can't imagine myself being so accelerated on my journey if I hadn't heard all of the stories and heard you interviewing people so expertly about it. Um, And so that kind of definitely helps add to the mindset I have. Um, I mean, I would have gone, but I, I am definitely leagues further because I got support through the podcast and and also peripherally as well through um, Facebook, et cetera. Mm. But yeah, no, thank you. You've you've helped. (laughs) Oh, it's been an honor. I've just been so grateful that others have been willing to share their stories. Absolutely. I can't wait to share with you the story when I get back. I can't wait. I can't wait to like follow your blog and see how you're doing and and hear the updates for sure. Of course, we're going to have you back on. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm feeling really, really excited for that. I'll be, I'm really imagining myself now thinking, hopefully I'll be saying something to you like, well, I left on the 1st of April and I went, I'm not just like, yeah, well, I left on the 1st of August. <laughs> I hope it's really <laughs> Right, <soon>. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we'll just have to see, you know. I think UK is a little bit blacklisted because of its own special mutants virus that it made all on its own (laughs) and spread to the rest of the world so I think that Russia is probably quite reasonably going do we really want people coming in from a country that's still in lockdown yeah well Um, but it's not like you've been out and about right it's not like you aren't taking very good care to be cautious and not contract COVID no I swear I'm the most locked down person I know because (laughs) I can I can work at home. My new job is could be remote easily forever. I'm so happy. So I haven't really had to go anywhere. And I just go outside to take my elderly dog around for a little hobble. Sure. Both me and her hobbling along. <laughs> and that's all I do. I go anywhere. My my CrossFit gym's closed. I, really, I don't go anywhere. I'm I'm definitely uh I'm definitely living quite happily inside my own house. Lockdown's well, quite cool. Well, yeah, well, way. and that's another mindset that will be helpful when you're in Russia and you're in quarantine. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, well, then I'm really in good practice. Yeah. Really yeah. good practice. <laughs> and so not that you're like, well, it'll just take a little bit more time, right, until they can open their borders to welcome you with open arms. Yeah, I certainly I certainly know that from everything I've heard about people who have been to Russia and the people who I kind of correspond with on that on the HSCT Russia Facebook page are oh they're brimming over with just saying how you are in the best hands, what an amazing experience it was. You are just cradled from the moment your plane touches mm. the ground. It would seem to you're just you're just taken care of, and I just love the concept in a way that I will be cocooned inside the hospital grounds and I mean I'm disappointed a tiny little bit that I can't really go out and do a the sort of slight wandering around day I've heard that people in the past have had mainly because I just wanted to buy a Russian doll sure I'll probably get really overcharged from a street vendor or something <laughs> like oh there's another tourist and just but I wanted to just get something like that but I don't really I don't really care. I'm just excited to to be there and see all of the all of the doctors and the people at the hospital there who I've known or seen YouTube videos about mm. or had emails with. They're kind of like superstars to me now. Like I cannot wait to meet them. Yeah. I feel like I'm gonna take them some little presents. But like honestly, I am starstruck and I get to go there. So that's it's what all, matters. And you can so always we'll go see. back, right? You can always go back and visit five years yeah. from now. 
That's exactly what I'm hoping to do. I love your mindset and I love your approach and I love how reflective and aware and mindful you are in your approach. It's just such an inspiration to others who maybe are struggling with all the things we talked about being before. Yeah. Just the striving to go or figure things out or hide and the transformation you've made is tremendous. And I think it's preparing you well for what you'll end up experiencing while you're inpatient. I'm really, I'm really, I'm just so excited to be able to live it and experience it. And you know, I don't know. I mean, chemotherapy might make me sick as a dog. I don't know, but I might be fine. It's like there's so much unknown that I have to just allow it to be unknown. And that's, that's interesting because doesn't everybody kind of want this, but it has through the HSEC um, Warriors podcast. I did have, I feel like I have a nice rounded idea of all the different experiences helping me manage the uncertainty so much better, Mm. so much better. So I think that's really helped me as well. So it's not all entirely homegrown um, in my head. uh, I've just gained so much through hearing about other people's stories. Um, Yeah. That's so so great. Is there anything else you're grateful for that has gone unspoken? I'm not generally someone who doesn't vocalize things that I'm grateful for. Like I, I, I try to remember, like, even when I'm grateful about little things that happen, but I immediately say, even to myself, just like, thank you, you know, that I don't know that anything will have gone unspoken. I bet probably after we finished a conversation about an hour later, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was that one thing. Of but course. I can't quite remember anything right now. I mean, you're ready to go, right? You're so I'm ready so to ready get on to that go. plane. I really am. I tell you what I think I am grateful for, though I'm not sure that it necessarily would have gone unspoken. But one thing I really appreciate about my husband is that he has just let me get on with it. He, I know that sounds like a silly, not a silly thing to say, any, a, a, an odd thing to say, but he's just let me get on with it. And and um, he's listened to me. He, I think he even watched the Panorama documentary with me about can you cure my MS where I would just announce to the room, I would do that. <laughs> and that way I'm doing it. But he's just, I think my brother, bless my older brother, he's such a nice guy. And he gets a little bit more worried, like overthinks things a little bit, you know, and he becomes aware that, oh, some people could die. And I had to go, look, 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 look. Driving is so much more dangerous than HSCC. There's just... Just don't worry. I'm not going to go there and die. Um, but he said, "Oh, maybe that's maybe that's something you should talk to Kieran about." And I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't blurt this out at him because I know he was only saying it because he's a little bit of a, an anxious worrier. But my first thought was like, "And what? Like what? Imagine I, I said it wouldn't make any difference at all. Like what am I going to do? I'm going to sit down with Kieran and say, mm, you know, dear, you know, I might die.'" Oh, you don't want me to do it? Okay, I won't do it. <laughs> it was never going right. to be a conversation that would happen. And um, I mentioned it to Kieran in um, fondly. I just went, oh, yeah. So my brother kind of wanted, my brother said that I should mention it to you. So I'm going to mention it to you right now. And he knew I was kind of joking. I was like, yeah, you know, I can, I might die. It's very unlikely, Kieran, but you never know. I should say it to you. And he just went, you know what? You let me do my dangerous stuff. And I let you do your dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, you're damn right. Because he does things like he wants to cycle across America. And, you know, it can be dangerous too. Sure. And so he's just like, we just give each other space. And, and it would be um, a crazy idea that he would come with me. I mean, it's not a crazy idea that somebody comes with them to Russia at all. Um, and lots of people get a lot out of that. But it's not, he just leaves me alone and then supports me where it's really important. And I think that may have gone somewhat unspoken because we just have an understanding where we just, sure, you know, live and let live. And, and I'm and in that space, I feel very supported by him. And if I do come back and I'm kind of a bit tired or it's part of the recovery roller coaster, I don't know what I'm going to be like. I might be really good, so I might not be so good. He would just... I know he will automatically pick up the slack of just like uh, always walking the dog or just doing little things. Um, I do really appreciate that. That's beautiful. Even though I do constantly say thank you. I always say thank you for the things he helps me with, but the element of being just let me get on with it 
and but having that support in the background has possibly not been spoken about so much. Mm. Yeah, I love the um, live and let each other live kind of mentality. Yeah, he, he doesn't really get excited about things, but I think he feels my positivity and knows how important it is to me. Sure. So he'll do, do everything that he can. I think that everyone has varying levels of appreciating support to different degrees. And every single one of those different degrees is fine. Yes. Um, it, I hesitate to call it caregiving. I find it, I think I find it a bit harder because I was a carer for so long myself. Sure. I work a, a job, I was a carer. And so I kind of see caring as slightly different, perhaps, to maybe the broader term. But yeah. So I'm getting, so basically, yes, just support, just support me to be independent and we'll see how we go. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to go so well for you. The positivity. Oh, well, thank you just, so much, Jen. Yeah, the positivity just radiates. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for speaking with me, Jen. It's been really, really lovely to share what feels like such a long journey, um, like 19 years. And it's been really nice because I don't really talk about it that much. So it's been really lovely. Thank you. Well, and surely it will help those who are early in their journey trying to find their way to opening their book, like you said, when you were fundraising or starting to fundraise. That like Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there can be such a vulnerable thing, especially so early in your diagnosis. And like you and I tried to hide things for so long, it actually adds to the stress and adds to the struggle. Yes, that's exactly what it does. And I can't I can't imagine myself ever having been different because, I don't know, I guess it's just how I'm made. But it does, I think, overcoming that to ask for help and to fundraise. And I think that the fundraising is such a large barrier for a lot of people, and I absolutely understand why um, it was for me. But I knew I was going to go, so I was going to do anything. I would have just bank loaned the whole lot if I had to. I knew I was going to go, but I just thought, let's give everyone the opportunity, everyone who loves me, the opportunity to just maybe chip in like a tenner or something, and it just snowballed. So I would really love to encourage anyone to open that in themselves, that vulnerability, and just do it. Get as as much help as you can. That helps. (laughs) But yeah, it's possible. Everyone's journey is so different, but I think that these are all necessary factors in our journey, right? Like for us to be finding these lessons as we go, I think really helps prepare for going through HSET. So it seems as though you're well, that's really interesting. Yeah. And well on your way. That's really good to know, because of course, I have no, no current experience of HSET. I'll only know about it when I return. But that's really great to hear from your point of view that that's going to be useful. Oh, yeah. That's really good to know. Yeah. Thank you. Just absolving that control and being vulnerable and being okay with finding patience. And I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, well, the nurse is supposed to come and I'm supposed to have my IV and where's my antibiotic and why aren't they here? And I was just, I was stressed for no reason. And it turns out there was an emergency around the corner. And so of course they couldn't get to me. And it wasn't a big deal that my antibiotics started a half hour later or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I had to remind myself, just be patient. The time will come. It will happen in good time. And so being able to learn these lessons along the way to HSCT will help you practice those while you're inpatient. And I think... Uh, You've you've that's, done, you've that's, learned so oh, many of these lessons along the way. It, they'll be invaluable while you're there. Yeah, well, that's I'm really pleased to hear that. Um, oh yeah, thank you for sharing that because I don't know what I'm going to be expecting on there at all. But I'm sure I will be expecting things like you say. If you kind of kind of have an idea about how things work, a little way in, you're like, but I should have had this by now, and I had that. And it's good to get that get that experience there from you. Oh my gosh, yeah, right. It's one of those things you don't realize while you're in the moment per se, unless you do practice mindfulness and kind of recognize and realize. And so, of course, I found all of this after the fact, right? And so hopefully the podcast can help people find these lessons along the way so that it's not as stressful when they're inpatient. Well, I think that that's definitely happened. I think you've done a very, very good thing with this podcast and... Yeah. Oh, so much, so much benefit experience. It's invaluable. Thank you. Really, really great. 
Thank you. Yeah, no, no, you're welcome. And again, I just, I feel so indebted to all the warriors before you who have shared their story. So yeah, I'm just as grateful to all of them. (laughs) Well, I have really enjoyed being one of your warriors, one of your hopeful warriors. It's been really nice. Indeed, hopeful indeed. And so all the best to you as you continue to practice your patience. And I hope that you get in and you get that call from Anastasia sooner than later. Yeah, I will. I'm sure I will hear from her soon. I'm going to hold fire until she contacts me. I'm going to try and leave her alone, let her do her job. From then I shall be the superhero that superpower is to do nothing. Right. <laughs> that still amuses me. That's my superpower. <laughs> yeah, um, so, well, continue practicing that superpower and you continue letting me yep. know and keeping us posted on your journey and when it will begin. I will do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Enjoy doing yes. your thing. Yeah, I know. It's kind of a fun idea now. <laughs> this is my superpower, Kieran. Do you not understand? This is my superpower. <laughs> Excellent. All right, then. Look, I'll be in touch anyway, just so, you know, why not say hello? Indeed. Um, and sure. I'll, I'll update you. As, as soon as I hear back from Anastasia, I will immediately let you oh, know as well. Just to, yeah, just to let you know. Be sure to visit our website where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your podcasts. It has been so great to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us online, on Instagram, or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician. 